childhood. I never fully accepted what I had been offered as normal. Life, I knew, was supposed to be more joyful than this, more real, more meaningful. And the world was supposed to be more beautiful. 64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Welcome to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. My name is Igor S.F. Walker. Today we look at the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible by Charles Eisenstein. So how about you slow down and relax? Reduce all that noise for just a bit. Make that choice and decide to listen. In this video we are reminded that this is the time to ask what's next? Who am I? What is important? What is the purpose of my life? How can I be an effective agent of healing? The old answers are fading. <clears throat> as the story of the people that once answered them crumbles around us. We are reminded that a new story needs to be told. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I have used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. My childhood perceptions were part of a narrative I called the story of the people, in which humanity was destined to create a perfect world through science, through reason, and technology to conquer nature, to transcend our animal origins, and engineer a rational society. From my vantage point, the basic premises of this story seemed unquestionable. My education, the media, and most of all, the normality of the routines around me conspired to say everything is fine. Today, it is increasingly obvious that this was a bubble world. Built atop massive human suffering and environmental degradation. But at the time, one could live within the bubble without the need of much self-deception. The story that surrounded us was robust and it easily kept anomalous data points on the margins. On some level, we all know better. This knowledge seldom finds clear articulation. So instead of, we express it indirectly to covert and overt rebellion. Addiction, self-sabotage, procrastination, laziness, rage, chronic fatigue, and depression. 
are all ways that we withhold our full participation in the program of life that we are offered. When the conscious mind cannot find a reason to say no, the unconscious says no in its own way. The institutions that have bore us through the centuries have lost their vitality. Only with increasing self-delusion can we pretend they are sustainable. Our systems of money, politics, energy, medicine, education, and more are no longer delivering the benefits they once did or seemed to. Their utopian promise, so inspiring a century ago, recedes further every year. Millions of us know this more and more, and we hardly bother to even pretend otherwise. Yet, we seem helpless to change, helpless even to stop participating in the industrial civilization's rush towards the edge of the cliff. When does anyone change without a wake-up call, or more often than not, without a series of wake-up calls? After all, our habits are embedded in a way of being that includes all aspects of life. Guide from the old story through the empty space between stories and then into a new story. It actually addresses the reader as a subject of this transition, personally, and as an agent of transition for other people, for our society, for our planet. Like the crisis, the transition we face goes all the way to the bottom. It is frightening, this transition between worlds. But it is also alluring. More and more people in the West no longer believe that civilization is fundamentally on the right track. Even those who do not yet question its basic premises in any explicit way seem to have grown weary of it. The harnessing of fossil fuels, the miracle of chemicals to transfer agriculture, the methods of social engineering, political science to create a more rational and just society. Each has fallen far short from its promise. Far short. And also brought anticipated consequences that together threaten civilization. We just cannot believe anymore that the scientists have everything well in hand. We once thought economists would fix poverty. Political scientists would fix social injustice. Chemists and biologists would fix environmental problems. The power of reason would prevail and we would adopt sane policies. Villages in Bangladesh, where half the people have just one kidney, having sold the other on the black market trade. Usually this is done to pay off debts. Here we see, literalized, the conversion of life into money that drives our economic system. Now prisons in China, where prisoners must spend 14 hours a day playing online video games to build up character experience points. 
Now the prison officials then sell these characters to teenagers in the West. Here we see in extreme form the disconnect between the physical and virtual worlds, the suffering and exploitation upon which our fantasies are built. Old people in Japan whose relatives have no time to see them, so instead they receive visits from professional relatives who pretend to be family members. Here is a mirror to the dissolution of the bonds of community and family to be replaced by money. Of course, all of these pale in comparison to the litany of horrors that punctuates history and continues, endemic to this day. The war, the genocide, the mass rape, the sweatshops, the mines, the slaves. Truly our stories have failed us. Now is it too much to ask to live in a world where our human gifts go towards the benefit of all? where our daily activities contribute to the healing of the biosphere and the well-being of other people. May the story of the people, a real one that doesn't feel like a fantasy in which a more beautiful world is once again possible. We're not quite ready for such a story just yet because the old one dough in tatters, still has large swaths of its fabric intact. How many revolutionaries have regenerated in their own organizations, in their own countries, the very institutions of oppression they sought to overthrow? Science is beginning to confirm what we have intuitively known all along. We are greater than what we have been told. We are not just a skin-encapsuled ego, a soul encased in flesh. We are each other, and we are the world. Our society runs in large part on the denial of that simple truth. How much of our dysfunctional consumptive behavior is simply a futile attempt to run away from a pain that is in fact everywhere. The transition we are entering is a transition to a story in which contempt and smugness no longer have a home. It is a story in which we cannot see ourselves as better than any other human being. It is a story in which we no longer use fear or self-content to drive our ethics. And we will inhabit this story, not in aspiration to an ideal of virtuous non-judgment, forgiveness, and so on, but in sober recognition of the truth of non-separation. The derision of a cynic comes from a wound of crushed idealism and betrayed hopes. The cynic mistakes his cynicism for realism. He wants us to discard the hopeful things that touch his wound, to settle for what is consistent with his lowered expectation. This 
he says is realistic. Ironically, it is in fact cynicism that is impractical. The naive person actually attempts what the cynic says impossible and sometimes succeeds. We like to think that we base our beliefs on evidence, but far more often we arrange the evidence to fit our beliefs, distorting or excluding what will not fit, seeking out evidence that will, surrounding ourselves with others who share them. The same inner beingness that makes us so immensely vulnerable also makes us so immensely powerful. Remember this. Indeed, the vulnerability and the power go hand in hand, because only by relaxing the guard of the separate self can we tap into power beyond its ken. Only then can we accomplish things that are, to the separate self, impossible. Put another way, we become capable of things that we do not know how to make happen. Conditional self-approval and conditional self-rejection are powerful mechanisms of self-control. The application of psychological force upon oneself, we are deeply conditioned to it. It is perhaps the most fundamental of what I call the habits of separation. So conditioned we are, also vulnerable to any authority figure or government that can take over the role of parent. The arbiter of good and bad, the grantor or withholder of approval. Do you think that operating from within the belief system of the age of separation, we will create anything but more separation? I don't know, write it in the comments. Our conception of what is practical harbors a trap. Practical encodes the laws of cause and effect that the old world has handed us. And then according to those laws, nothing that we can do can be possibly enough to create a more beautiful world or even to much ameliorate the awfulness of this one. The crises are too great, the powers that be are too strong, and you are just one tiny individual, separate from the world. Nothing we do can matter very much. In the vast, uncoordinated melee of separated selves and impersonal forces that compose the universe, our ability to change the course of events depends on the amount of force we can muster or inspire. If only others would listen and begin separate from us, their choices are beyond our control, unless we make them listen, and back we are again to force. Social and environmental crusader who sacrifices human values for the cause is no true revolutionary at all, but the opposite, a pillar of the system. We see again and again with environmental organizations within leftist political groups, the same bullying of underlings, the same power grabs, the same egoic rivalries that we see everywhere else. 
if these are played out in our organizations, how can we hope that they will not be played out in the world that we do create? Should we be victorious? Environmental issues, deforestation, eutrophication, fishery depletion, radioactive waste, nuclear accidents, wetlands destruction, genetic pollution, toxic waste, pharmaceutical pollution, electromagnetic pollution, habitat destruction of all kinds, soil erosion, species extinction, aquifer and freshwater depletion and pollution, and biodiversity reduction. We need to come in a direct, caring, sensual relationship with this forest, with this mountain, with this river, with this tiny plot of land, and protect them for their own sake, rather than for an ulterior end. This is not to deny the dangers even of greenhouse gases, but ultimately our salvation must come from recovering a direct relationship to what is alive right here in front of us. Forests, in turn, are not merely collections of trees. They are complex living beings in which every species contributes to their health, which means that biodiversity is another factor in climate regulation. The tools of control, the application of force and reason, surely have their place. Humanity is not nature's exception. As with all species, our gifts can uniquely contribute to the well-being and the development of the whole. We have yet to use our gifts in this spirit. Instead, we have used them to dominate, to conquer, weakening the health of Gaia and all her beings, and therefore weakening our own selves as well. Now we have the chance to transform our uniquely human gifts from tools of mastery to tools of service. From within the logic of the old story, hope is alive. A hallucination of something impossible, but it comes from our innate idealism, our heart's knowledge of a more beautiful world. The belief that tells us that a more beautiful world is not only possible, conflicts with the heart that tells us it is. It is only when the scaffold of those beliefs collapses that hope need no longer clothe itself in the absurd and in the new story of the world gives practical expression to the heart knowing that we do call home and then it becomes authentic optimism our unreasonable hope is pointing us towards something true imagine yourself on your deathbed looking back on your life what moments will seem the most precious Write it in the comments, if you were on the deathbed. What choices will you be the most grateful for? For Patsy, it will be cleaning up Mrs. K more than any real estate she ever sold. For Charles, it will be pushing Jimmy and Matthew up the hill in their toy cars more than any 
public accomplishments he has secured. On my deathbed, I will be grateful for each choice of connection, love, and service. Can you countenance a universe in which those death perceptions are wrong? Can you countenance a universe in which we must steal ourselves to neglect those things so that we can then more efficiently devote ourselves to the business of planet saving? Can you see that stealing ourselves to override our humanity is what has gotten us into this mess to begin with? This is the old story. We can begin to embrace new scientific paradigms that affirm the understanding that the universe is intelligent, it is purposeful, and it is whole. These new paradigms around the era of the old guard precisely because they affirm such an understanding, if that is why they are called unscientific or pseudo-scientific, not because they draw on inferior evidence or incoherent thinking, but because they violate the deep, unquestioned premises that the world scientific and science has encoded. Now, let's get real here. We need miracles. We have caught a glimpse of our destination, the destination that hope foretells, but we have no idea how to get there. We walk an invisible path with no map, and we cannot see where any turning will lead. I wish I could say that the new story provides a map, but it doesn't. The new story is a much bigger change than to re-evaluate the risks and seek new payouts. It is not going to help you make choices from the calculating mind. But it will provide a logical framework within which our heart-based choices make a lot more sense. Anything worth devoting a life to today requires some of these miracles, these things that we do not and cannot make happen that come as gifts. Therefore, if you follow your heart's guidance towards any of these worthwhile goals, your choices will seem to many, and sometimes even to yourself, a little bit crazy. Our situation is this. We see the goal, but do not know how to get there. <clears throat> that is true of anything genuinely new. To step into the attempt anyway, is always an act of courage, at once arrogant and humble. Arrogant because of our confidence, and it is unwarranted. Humble because we put ourselves at the mercy of the unknown. Paradoxically, the path to achieve the impossible consists of many practical steps, each of them possible. Have you ever been part of something like that where everything seems to flow and you find yourself again and again at the right place at the right time to encounter the right person? Where everything needed shows up sometimes at the very last minute in a completely unanticipated way where an invisible outside power seems to be coordinating everything and everyone. How and why does this happen? <coughs> if we could somehow master the technology of being in the right place at the right time, we could learn to ride the flow of synchronicity and we would have accessed 
the power greater than anything in the world of force and the world of force is capable of. The first step in creating change then is to receive a vision that feels true. The second step is to heal the wounds and doubts that that vision illuminates. Without doing that, we will be conflicted, simultaneously enacting both the new story and the old one that actually accompanies the wounds. And the third step is to bow into service, that which wants to be born. This process is not linear. Usually the vision comes more and more into focus as we heal the doubts that obscure it. That in turn allows us to enter more deeply into its service. Deeper service in turn brings a new dimension of division and deeper wounds. The path of service is a path of self-actualization. To be fully in service to something one has experienced as real as the essence of leadership in a non-hierarchical age. A leader is a holder of a story, someone whose experience of its reality is deep enough so that he or she can hold the belief on behalf of others. The deeper our service to that which wants to be born, the more it is able to arrange these synchronistic encounters and fortitudes events that allow us to accomplish that which lies beyond our understanding of cause and effect, to believe in a true vision that contradicts the consensus view of what is possible or worthwhile. It takes more courage to believe what we know is true than to disbelieve what we know is false. For the visionary, the knowledge is in the beginning a lonely knowledge, surrounded by a welter of doubt, both within and without. To trust the moment of clarity and then carry it forward, to translate it into belief and act from it amid all the voices that say it is crazy and impossible, it is no trivial matter. Unless we have done transformational work on ourselves, we will remain products of the very things that we are seeking to transform. We need to change our habits of thoughts, habits of beliefs, habits of doing, as well as change our system. Each level reinforces the other. Our habits and beliefs form the psychic substructure of our system, which in turn induces in us the corresponding beliefs and habits. Your rejection has little to do with evidence or logic. Evidence and logic are tools we use to justify and flesh out our beliefs. But we are deceiving ourselves to think that they are the source of our beliefs. This idea, because it is crucial to understanding the process of belief change as well, and clearly for our world to have a chance of surviving, a lot of beliefs are going to have to change. Changing these habits of seeing, thinking, and doing is no trivial matter. First, it must be made visible. Second, we must attempt to change in a way that it's not in itself amongst those habits 
then so many of the ways we can see and enact change draw from paradigms of conquest, judgment, and force. Third, we must deal with an environment that enforces the old habits, not only through economic and social means, but through a relentless barrage of subtle messaging that takes for granted the very things we are seeking to change. And if we are to create a different kind of story, we must become the storytellers of the new world. We tell the story not only with words, but also with the actions that spring from that story. Each such action shows all who witness it that there is another world out there, another way of seeing, another way of being, and that you are not crazy for thinking it is there. Every act of generosity is an invitation into generosity. Every act of courage is an invitation into courage. Every act of selflessness is an invitation into selflessness. Every act of healing is an invitation into healing. How will you choose your story? How will you influence how others choose theirs? And there you have it. The more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. That helps the algorithm. Share it too. Spread the word. Leave a comment. Share your thoughts. Start a conversation. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read and never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you think you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.